Hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope your morning or your evening, wherever you are in the world, is going beautifully so far. Just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for clicking on this episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast every single time you come and you listen and you learn. I am filled with so much gratitude. So thank you for being here today. For episode 216, we are speaking with Miss Emily Roberts. Emily Roberts is a psychotherapist, parenting consultant, educational speaker, and author of the book Express Yourself, Express Yourself, a teen girl's guide to speaking up and becoming who you are. The Guidance Girl is a concept created by Emily Roberts as an innovative, powerful, and helpful approach to help you achieve goals and feel your best by redefining traditional therapy for the girls and women of today. I had a blast speaking with Emily, and I have a feeling you're going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation. But before we head on over, here is the review of the week, and this comes from Christine Elena, and she says, Mind Body Musings feeds my soul with five stars. I've been listening to this podcast for a while, and I'm just now leaving a review. Sorry, Maddie. But this podcast is everything. Every episode has little gems of wisdom that I carry with me far beyond the end of the episode. Maddie has perfected the art of the interview and asks her guests incredible questions that lead to heartfelt, powerful, moving conversations. Don't miss out. Wow, that is is such an incredibly kind review. Thank you, Christine. Mastered the art of interview. Wow, I'm like, my um, my heart is so warm reading that. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who leads a review on the show. These reviews are, are very powerful sources of, um, of love for me, to be honest. If, if interviewing is my, my passion, my, one of the places that I feel purpose-driven, and it's my way to serve, getting that kind of feedback, getting any kind of, of feedback in, in this kind of way, it's, it's very nourishing to my soul. It's receiving feedback in one of the most important areas of my life. So thank you, Christine, and thank you everyone who has left a review. I look forward to reading many more on the podcast moving forward because I recently went back and I, I pulled all the new interviews off, I mean, all the new reviews off, and there's so many, and you guys are so sweet, so thank you so much. Okay. The only other announcement that I have is if you want to get a free audio book, go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings. You can get a free 30-day trial, a free audio book. There are many amazing books that I have listed on my free PDF of my top favorite 100 plus books. So you get all these different goodies. If you go over to maddiemoon.com slash free gift, you will see that 100 plus book list with all these amazing titles. And then you can go get a free book, a free audio book on Audible. So check that out. And that's all I have to share today. I am ready to get this podcast rocking and rolling. Let's go head on over. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie 
Patty Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Hey there, Miss Emily, and welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So you're, um, I was looking at your, your Skype, and it said that you're in Austin, Texas, but you just said you were in New York. So where is it that you live? Both places. I split my time between both. And how in the yeah. world does that work? It, doesn't, it works well now. Uh, I, I'm from Austin, and I spend a lot of my time in New York. I have a practice here that I work out of, but I also um, have an office in Austin. So family and friends in Austin, and a lot of my career stuff is up here. So. Oh, that's so amazing. I, I've only been to New York one time. Um, I went with my high school marching band whenever I was young. It was a Oh, pretty... awesome. Did you guys perform? <laughs> yeah, at Carnegie Hall. Uh, amazing. That is such a cool experience, actually. It was. It was It was a very, very amazing experience. I think we did a competition and we won. So it was really, it was quite a beautiful experience. And that being my first time to go to New York, it was a bit overwhelming. Like, I don't know if you've ever done a field trip like that, going from Texas to that far away, like a place like New York and doing it with 200 marching band nerds, but it was overwhelming, but also like just so amazing. I feel very blessed for that experience. Well, if you ever come back now, you know, someone got a place to stay if you want it. We'll, we'll, we'll treat you right. We'll treat you. We'll give you some uh, great pointers too. Oh, amazing. <laughs> it can be overwhelming though. It can be very overwhelming. I find any city that you live in or that you're visiting when you're around a lot of people, you know, you need to, you need to decompress, you need a break. And that's why I go to Austin sometimes actually like once a month. So you can find me in either place. And what area of Austin do you live in? Oh, excuse me. There's some background noise where I am. Pardon me, honey. One second. Um, I live in downtown Austin and my parents lived in the hill country. So what that means is um, a little bit of both worlds. So there's a little bit of relaxation, but it's so hot there. And I'm sure you're getting a heat wave too right now as well. So anywhere that I'm cold, I feel, or not cold, but moderate when I, the temperature is good when you got like a cool evening that's something that I, I really enjoy mm, yeah absolutely I love Austin I lived there for two years beautiful place oh really where mm-hmm. I lived in the Hyde Park area and I went to school <gasps> there yeah that's like my favorite area okay awesome, awesome. mine too I um I have a lot of really good friends there so my my background my story is I used to do bodybuilding and that's where I got into it so there's a lot of gyms there that I like very yeah but yeah um, and that's also why I needed to get out of there. But now that there's a lot of like a very different energy within me, I really want to go back and I want to experience it again and like just really enjoy it because there's so many good things about that city. You know, it's interesting you say that because that's why I kind of, I say left Austin. I moved to New York because I found that it was going to be, well, it was only for four months. That was my whole plan. Right. But I had to get out kind of the negative environment that I'd find, I'd found myself in. I say negative and I don't mean, um, I don't mean it in a bad way. Just, I think I needed to shift my, uh, mindset and I couldn't do that in a place that was so comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something definitely to be said for moving out of a place 
to help instigate that change of mindset. You know, some people are like, you're running from something, don't run from something. But I really do think there is a lot of value in changing your environment to help encourage the change in your mindset. It's not like it all comes from the change of the place, but it can definitely contribute. Like my life in Boulder, Colorado is vastly different from someone who lives maybe in the middle of land in Kentucky, you know, like it's just very different and we have different lives. And I think that depending on the type of energy you want to have in your spirit or the type of growth you want to have, you want to be surrounded by people your age or surrounded by older people, the beach, the mountains. Of course, I don't, I think it's silly to deny that living in a place with water is no different than living in a place with mountains or with valleys. I, exactly. I'm glad that you said that too, because people would be like, well, you can't run from it or, you know, you can't take a vacation from your mindset. Of course not. Actually, you can change perspective though. And for me, when I was in a really, I say comfortable environment, it was holding me back and not allowing me to kind of get that secondary gain that I needed to, especially in spirituality and finding myself. I, I mean, I knew myself, but I didn't know myself as well as I could have when I put myself in a, a different environment. So let's go ahead and jump into that. I want to hear more about your background and your history and how you became said guidance girl. The guidance girl. Yes. Um, I, so I lived in Austin, like I said, for from my teenage years into college and after graduate school, I had a private practice and that means I was working one. I thought that's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was too, I think truthfully, I was too afraid to sit with my emotions for very long. And so I went to school, went to school, went to school, did what I thought I was quote unquote supposed to do. And what that allowed me to do is, you know, have a career, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. Um, and you know, I, I found, I found myself wondering like, what did I do wrong? You know, I, I checked off the boxes. I, I followed the, the, whatever book I thought of my life. Um, what that means for me is kind of, I went along with where I thought I was going to go to feel successful and it didn't matter how much money I made or didn't make. I just felt this lack. I was lacking something because what I was really looking for was myself. You know, I thought that if I gained these things, if I gained, a private practice. If I had um, this many friends, if I dated this person, then I would feel better. But what really it showed me is that I really needed to heal myself before I could um, really help other people heal to, on the level that I wanted to. And um, that's a lot of information, but it was probably around 28, 26, no, 26, 27, when I was like getting this rumble, sort of, this isn't feeling as good as it should in my mind. And the should's a word I generally don't use. I don't like people to should on themselves necessarily, but it didn't, it wasn't aligning with me. And so, um, when I moved to New York, I kind of got back to things in my childhood that brought me a lot of mindfulness, meditation, spirituality, and, and clarity. And that was something that my parents did a lot of when I was growing up. They did a lot more of the soul seeking in, in, in that in that way. And they opened my eyes up to that. But once I became a teenager, I kind of rejected all of that. Um, and so one of the places I found myself three weeks after I moved to New York was a Gabby Bernstein uh, workshop at a Hindu temple in the East Village. And I was like, okay, this is reminding me very much of my, my childhood. And it was something I aligned with, um, just some of the stuff that she was teaching. And so I wound up really developing a journaling meditation practice and working through a lot of stuff that I could not work through before, especially when I was in my comfort zone in Austin. And how old were you? I don't know if I missed that, but how old were you around that time 
when you started? About to go 28. Into 28. And okay. so believe it or not, that's around the time that I had my Saturn return that of lasted course. a long time. I do believe and, it. And it was so valid. You know, the thing is, is as a therapist, I'm a psychotherapist and, but I'm also a lot of other things. I think all of us can say we're a title, but what really we're called to is kind of who we are and what we decide to bring into that. And when I, someone was like, oh, you're Saturn return. I'm like, what's that? And when I learned about astrology and I started, you know, I went to a teacher and um, somebody who I didn't learn it myself, but they explained it to me in such a way that I was like, that's so validating. It is beyond validating to know that it's not just me feeling overwhelmed with the world. Right now, it's supposed to be like this, actually. Chaos is probably very normal for me right now. And so I think that whatever people are kind of called to in that way can really help clarify what they're going through and help them find resources to get through it uh, and learn and grow from it. So you work with a lot of um, people similar to the way I do. I mean, I, I do coaching and you do more of the, the therapy, but there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of overwhelm, overthinking. And you see a different side of that as you work with, with parents and you work with kids. And I'm curious, the anxiety that you see that come about within maybe young teen girls versus adult women, do they have different roots or do you find that they're very similar and they're generally around the same type of life circumstance that are causing this kind of anxiety or what differences do you see? That's a great question. So I think that we all have an adolescent, well, person inside of us, right? Uh, we listened to that voice that was really cultivated during our formative years and that came out during adolescence. And a lot of times parents don't I would honestly don't. They they have a limitation there. They want their child to have a better life than they did. They want to have, they want their child to be stress free, and 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 yet at the same time they project a lot of their own stuff onto them. So it creates this that they didn't heal, that the parents didn't heal, you know. And so it creates this cycle of anxiety in the home. But I think that the the bottom line in terms of these feelings of anxiety, are, and I tell this to whether it be a 13 year old or a 25 year old or a 50 year old, you know, I had that all last week or this week in my office actually. And they didn't cause this. They didn't wake up one day and say, Hey, I want to feel depressed or anxious, or yes, I want limiting beliefs. And we've, we we've coined the term. I think psychology has done a good job of doing this. And I don't mean in a good way. I mean, they've kind of really screwed this up. We didn't choose our thoughts. Our thoughts were created by our biology and by the environment and the things that we kind of observed growing up or felt growing up. And then, you know, that became a thought. So I really call it like we have this bully in our brain. And that's from a lot of the experiences that we've encountered, but also what people have said to us and the way that we feel, you know, a lot of times it's people have been told that they shouldn't feel a certain way. That's not true. You should feel whatever way is coming up for you. Right. And so by pushing that stuff away, we invite anxiety to be part of our lives versus, um, and part of our thinking pattern. Does that making sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious with what in your life has been, what was one of the biggest anxiety producing instances that you were denying? Because one of the things that I talk about a lot in the show is the shadow side and whatever that uh -huh. quality is or that thing that we're pushing away is a thing we need to adopt and embrace. And in my experience, this has been a constant revealing. Like right now, I'm like, oh, that's a shadow. Hello. Like I need to adopt this. Hello. Like I always have new layers and new um parts of my my uh my ego or my identity or whatever I'm whatever I define as as Madeline 
that I'm uncovering and I'm embracing and that's creating a more whole person even though it is also contradicting to everything that I I see myself as or want to be. So what is one of these shadow side elements of you, Emily, that you have pushed away and and maybe more recently? I'm curious about this um, put together woman and her version of the shadow side that has been maybe recently looked at and something that you're currently working through and embracing and adopting. Well, so... I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. When I was a little girl, that's actually kind of why I got into the therapy side of, of this. Um, of, I guess my identity is because when I was little, I would have such tremendous fear just ever since I was maybe four or five. And people would tell me, you know, oh, you shouldn't feel that way or that's not rational, but you're five, you're six. Like, how do you know what rational is, right? And as an adult, I think I worked through a lot of that, but then as an adult, especially even currently, there's these shoulds, like I said before, or these um, things that we get pulled into believing that that validate us, right? Whether it be Instagram followers, whether it be that girl that looks put together and you want to be like her, or, you know, we make these assumptions um, about how our life should be when what you're saying is so valid, which is all of us have the shadow side. And when we push it away, it's going to stay. <laughs> it's going to stay and it's going to wreak havoc on your life unless you embrace it and understand why it's coming up. And so for me, I think what one of the biggest things that I've had to overcome in the past couple of years is, well, there's two things. One are people change, right? People in your life change and, and it has nothing to do with you. Right. And it, it can have something to do with you, but truth be told, like there's a reason that maybe they're moving out of your life or they're moving into your life. And the other is and that I can't control it. And the other piece to this is if I don't show up for myself, I'm not going to be able to be there for anyone else in my life. And so being able to honor the challenges, the, the disorganization, the, um, you know, the fact that things change in your schedule and, and, and you have to kind of roll with it versus trying to control it. I used to be very much like it has to be, you know, a type personality. It has to be this way, this way, this way. And, you know how energy works. It never really was. So I had to really over time just kind of laugh and enjoy the fact that, wait a second, if I'm forcing it, it's not going to work. And I'd rather be guided to the right way to do it through, not through force, through just allowing, you know, things to happen, allowing friendships to fade if they need to fade, allowing um, a change in my schedule to occur without overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. I would catch myself in overthinking mode um, and shooting on myself and and these negative messages that I probably learned all through, you know, high school and and whatnot. But I had to catch myself in that in, in order for me to figure out what was true behind this and how can I learn from it. Otherwise, I was repeating the same cycle, which was just suffering. Something that I feel you would also have something to say about is this idea that emotion, being emotional is bad and people's Oh gosh, do I have an, I, I've got so much, sorry to interrupt you. Yes. Yeah, so much to say about that. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's such a built in response from, from people who I would say are not conscious, unconscious people, which is a very vast majority of our population here. It's people walking around thinking if someone is emotional, it's bad or they're crazy or they are overreacting. Um, one of my, uh, clients recently, I saw her sharing this on an Instagram story and it's just sparking this idea of of talking about this with you, but she was sharing with a friend like, Oh, I just had my session with my coach and it was really emotional. And the guy responded with, 
oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was emotional. And my client, way to go her, was all like, um, no, it's not bad. And it's not something you should be sorry about. It's brilliant. It's awesome. It's good. I'm glad that I accessed those parts of myself. And she just like, but not most of us can see that. Not most, not most people, if they get a response like, oh, I'm sorry for emotional, can quickly be pull themselves out of that many people get lost in that and they're like oh thank Uh you I know so this is a wake-up call that we need to be able to see it's not something like how we respond to people when they say they're emotional we need to hold space in a very different way and not say I'm sorry about that but also for anyone who says they are emotional and that get that kind of response it's our jobs as people who are woken up to this and conscious around this to politely sweetly warmly educate people that it's not something you need to be sorry about Absolutely. And I think the same goes for um, anyone who works with kids too, or they're a parent. When your child is having a feeling rather than saying, oh, I'm so sorry, or you shouldn't feel that way, which is sometimes we say that like, because our own, we're getting triggered emotionally. Right. And we don't want to see them feel emotions that are intense because we don't want them to quote unquote suffer. But the, the truth is exactly what you just said people need to feel emotions. It's actually the mo- one of the most primary things we do as human beings is when we feel emotions, our body is telling us something about our environment or about what we need to do. Emotions should be embraced. We need to be honoring the fact that someone is feeling something versus pushing it away for them or silently or overtly like what happened to your, your client. I mean, she did a great job, by the way. She can give her props up from me too as well because I think that was so brilliant how she handled it. Like, no, I actually felt, I I actually learned from that. I did it in a safe way and I emoted. That's what our bodies need to do. And this is why I started writing a lot about emotions and writing it, you know, not just for young girls, for everybody. There's a function to every feeling, whether it be anger, whether it be sadness, we're feeling that because something triggered it in our bodies and our bodies respond to this in order for us to work through it, right? Like we don't stay in historically fight or flight. Okay. So think about this. If we are walking down the street and it's a dark alley and you hear footsteps and you start walking really fast, your body is telling you alert, alert, alert. Something's maybe a little bit off in your environment. And and then you, you, know, you get in your door and you kind of settle in and you're no longer really thinking about whatever that was, or you turn around and it was just actually a car, right? Nothing, nothing to quote unquote freak you out. But what happens with anxiety, what happens with other emotions, and then you add in the environmental factors of you shouldn't feel that way is shame, guilt, and suppression of emotion, which then leads us to ulcers, uh, leads us to headaches, leads us to feeling sick and tired and um, being sick and tired. What can you tell us about the nervous system? And the response that the nervous system has to these anxieties. Because I, God, I just find it so interesting how we think all of this is within our brains. Like a lot of us. Right. It's our body. Yeah. We're like, oh, I can, I'm working on my anxiety. I'm releasing it. I'm slowing down. I'm letting go. But yet they they believe this but these situations continuously pop up where they need to cope and they need to figure out a way to cope to cope to cope and I totally get this I was also sharing recently about my experiences of when I feel when I feel um overwhelm I focus within the head on what can I do like I think about it what can I do to not feel overwhelmed what's logical for me to be able to to heal this or help this I can sit in the overwhelm and also make some sort of 
E's in it. That's great. Well, whatever. But yeah, then but really great. You, you, you can you can rationally accept it and kind of it'll slow down a little bit. Right. Right. But then I will notice because we can't always be 100 percent on top of that. Like our heads like to right. do their own thing. We would we would need to meditate all day long if we really wanted to be 110 percent in control. So the goal is to learn how to let the thoughts come in and drift out peacefully and not try to always control them. Yet our nervous systems have ways of responding to situations. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying this fight or flight. I notice if I am in this state of overwhelm, I will cope in some way. Years ago, it would be through food and body image and like, mm-hmm. I'm going to control all this stuff. These days it's through, which is hilarious. It's like not the worst way to cope at all. But for me, it is cleaning and getting rid of things. Like to me, it's almost a joke because it's so funny. If, if, if I never got out of my state of overwhelm, I would live inside of a single room with no furniture and nothing because I would get rid of so many things because that's like my thing. I get such a like feeling of relief and and like you I get a dopamine like, rush too. get the dopamine it's, it's, rush. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I hate buying things and I love selling things. It feels so freaking good. It's so funny. But anyways, I notice a lot of this is living within my body. It's like my body mm-hmm. just, oh, cope. Let's let's get the dopamine. Let's it's let's feel the rush. Let's feel safe. Let's do the fight or flight. And Um, I feel I'm very glad that I I can see this happening and I can I can work alongside it and I'm really good at handling it these days. But we do not talk enough about the nervous system and what's actually happening within our bodies and why we should be giving ourselves compassion when we don't get it on the first try because our bodies need time. Oh, I'm so happy you brought this up. It's something that I actually have been working on myself. I've been working with a practitioner lately who's been helping me with, with some more breath work. And the reason why that's important is because I've done a lot of, just like you have, a lot of the work, a lot of different types of training, you know, and cognitively, I can generally see the spectrum of opportunity, right? It's my body though, because remember our minds and our brains are attached to our body that is doing most of the talking. And when we ignore that, we get ourselves in these, these cycles, whether it be cleaning, which by the way, feel free to come over anytime if you're feeling that way. No. <laughs> and, and, and at the same time, it's also fixation on a particular outcome or pushing it away through Netflix, binging or getting on Instagram and scrolling it away. And then it doesn't go anywhere. It's still stuck in your nervous system. So when I started to learn about how trauma is stored in the body, right? And let's use the word trauma very loosely here. I mean, any sort of stressor, anything is stored in the body. It takes such a toll. And I, um, I didn't bring this up before, but it aligns with what you're saying. I had, when I was, before I started writing my book and I was doing a bunch of things, I, you know, type A, I guess at the time, and I'm only using that word loosely because I, I felt like I needed it. Everything needed to work out this way, this way, this way. Well, yeah, that stressed out my body so much. I started getting adrenal fatigue. I had a lot of autoimmune stuff and I finally found a practitioner, um, a holistic psychologist, believe it or not, she prescribed coconut oil, among other natural things. And she said to me, she goes, your body has been functioning in a fight or flight state for far too long. It's now not listening to you. You've got to listen to it. And that kind of stuck with me because when I listened to the science about behind what she was saying, which has been here for years and years and years, I was like, oh my gosh, my my brain thinks it's in control, but it's not. You know what I mean? It really validated the fact that my body's going to do what it's going to do, whether or not my brain's aligned with it. So what I wound up actually doing was starting to do more meditation. But here's the deal. I didn't wait for the panic to hit. A lot of times people are like, well, I meditated on it. I'm like, but were you moderately regulated before you did that? Are we 
asking our bodies to, you know, get into this meditative state after we've been in overwhelm or are we doing it on a daily basis, just like taking a multivitamin or something mindful um, on a daily basis to get our body to kind of slow back down into its baseline or into its our parasympathetic nervous system. And when we're going a thousand miles a minute, checking, you know, social media while eating lunch, and then also, you know, writing an email on your, your phone or something, your body is so overwhelmed. And so being able to honor the fact that that's what we're doing without judgment and then moving towards something that's a little bit more mindful, like just eating what's in front of you for a minute or taking some deep breaths throughout the day can regulate the nervous system. And one of the questions you asked me was about like, you know, what is the nervous system? Well, it's the way that our body regulates and kind of manages emotion. And so not only that, it keeps you alive. That's why we can fight or, you know, flee the situation, fight it off. But we tend to do this to ourselves and we don't have awareness or compassion. Criticism only creates stress. Stress then creates anxiety and depression. And that's not how our nervous system wants to, you know, run. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And also, I think the other piece here that is important, I know it's a lot of information, so I'm going to try and be very mindful about how I explain it, is when we're not breathing, what winds up happening is we don't get oxygen to our brain in a way that it uh, wants and needs. What we wind up doing is we cut that off. And there's a nerve right near your diaphragm, which is called the vagus nerve. And so when people say take deep belly breaths, that can feel really invalidating when you're having panic because you're like, uh, I'm breathing, <laughs> you know, hello. But when we do this on the regular and when we also do it when we're having some anxiety, a few minutes of deep belly breathing will bring that nerve, which is attached to your spinal cord, which then goes to your brainstem. It'll bring oxygen to your brain. And so that means you're not stuck in this amygdala or this hindbrain. You're st- you kind of push your way into the frontal lobe, which gives us rational and reasonable ways to manage stress versus staying stuck in the what ifs, should have, could have, future tripping or past tripping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, that was looking- a lot, but you know. No, that's I great. That, yeah. That's good. It's it's something that we've 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 dove into before, so we can use more of the science this time. And hearing it from this perspective, it's really helpful. I think the more you know, like around, because the nervous system isn't talked about very much. We do a lot of, right. of chit chat around what we can do within our control, but there are things that are are not within our immediate capabilities. And that's why we need to have an understanding of it so we can have compassion around it and give ourselves a break as we learn and we train our bodies to breathe. And on, a, on another side of what you were saying about breath, um, one, like, one way to look at this as well is for women who are desiring more flow in their life. Mm-hmm. When you are holding your breath, you are holding it in. You, it, that is a fight or flight response. That is not a flow. And if you're looking for flow. That's a freeze response. Absolutely. It's a freeze response for every single organ of your body. And and that's exactly what creating more flow in your life literally looks like. It looks like the breath. It looks like bringing fresh air into your body and allowing yourself to breathe, to drop your shoulders to let go. And that's the ultimate form of surrender right there. It's surrendering to the breath, the natural state of life, what already is that it's not surrendering the present moment. moment. Surrendering isn't giving up. It's allowing what already needs to be allowing what already is and breath and creating flow within your physical body is what creates flow energetically. And that is what the feminine really is all about. It's, it's like the river. I've talked about this so many times. It's like this water that just is 
is taking its own pace and it's not worried and obsessing over what's happening and it's not trying to stop the flow. Water isn't like, oh my God, I'm going down a river. I've got to stop. It is the breath. And it allows you to tune back into our natural or for anybody, it really, you're, you, you tune into your gut, right? Or your intuition because you're actually listening to what your body wants. We're very smart, right? All of us have a lot of great um, ideas and have a lot of awesome tools to give the world. But until we kind of drop back into the flow, like you're saying, or trust that our bodies are guiding us, we get too caught up in the rat race and then we can't actually, our nervous systems are dysregulated. So really if someone's trying to hone their intuition and really start to listen to what is the best way to do that, I think is through breathing and through what you're saying, turning into flow. And one of the things that I do is I have a you know, I, I do breath work with, with counting or I listen to a guided meditation. And that's been something for me that quiets the kind of the chatter in my mind. And yes, it comes up halfway through. I mean, if not for a majority of it, but it's just the practice of, which is such a, it's so interesting you said that because it's such a flow, right? It's like, yep, of course that's happening. And I'm tuning back into the number that I'm counting or, you know, this one breath. And it's an acceptance that there's going to be noise in our lives and we can manage it so much better when we allow ourselves to have a moment, a beat to get back into ourselves. That's showing up for yourself in a profound way, you know? This type of meditation, does it have a name? Well, I do, okay, so I do a couple different ones. I do some kundalini exercises um, that I've, I've learned through one of my teachers. I do guided meditations that are about, you know, five or 10 minutes. And then I do some that are just uh, breath work, just breathing and counting with, you know, some gongs and such. But the reason why I, I, I got into these in particular was because I realized that the I was away, tuning away or turning away from meditation for so long because the idea was like, oh my God, I have to be Zen or I have to be quiet. My mind has to stop chattering. No, we'd be brain dead. Or You know what I mean? That's not what it's about. It's about actually observing and noticing what you're feeling and then coming back to what is. Um, and then you can manage life's stressors so much easier. And that's why I, I tell people all the time, before you communicate with somebody, before you send the text or post whatever it is, take a minute, pause before you press send or press post because, and what I mean by pause is like pause and come back to yourself. We can't think rationally when we are in this um, dysregulated state. We're, we, we think in a fight or flight way. And so when we honor the fact that our bodies are doing that naturally and you want to feel more in control of your life and more intuitive, that's when we can actually communicate with more love, more compassion to ourselves and other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And switching gears a little bit, because this is still very similar. What are your thoughts on going through periods of feeling lost and being okay with that? There, there's a natural ebb and flow in everything in our lives, right? And so we have the ebb of clarity. And in order to have the ebb of clarity of what you want, the direction you're headed, um, we have to allow the the flow of change, of, yeah. of of yeah of of the flow of change and the thing that happens before the change where you have no idea what the change is and you you talking about your Saturn return because you've experienced that I haven't experienced that yet I don't know God I don't know what's coming for me if if I have it oh, already don't experienced. be afraid it'll be you've got so many tools in your toolkit right now that you're I, like yeah. ah yeah change here it comes I've had uh, I think truthfully even looking back on that part of my life 
just to kind of go in with that change, it was like, I look back on it and yeah, there were, I mean, there's a lot of journal entries where I'm like, whoa, but also I don't recall it being as painful as some of the things that happened beforehand. Really, I think it was more clarity. It was like dusting off the real truth of why this was happening. I was so angry at my ex, my ex-boyfriend for so long because quote unquote, he caused me the pain. No, it was me. That was the hardest thing I had to do was to accept the fact that I kept allowing something that wasn't serving me into my life. And I was expecting somebody to come and save me from myself. It never worked. Right. And then when I finally sat with that, by the way, this was not like a quick conversation. This was like a nine month to a year and a half of like, you know, realizing this and coming back and denying it. But it allowed me, it wasn't just him. It was other things like that, where I would I learned some stuff about myself, which is, whoa, in order for me to show up in the world fully and completely, I've got to honor the stuff that's been holding me back, the stories I've been telling myself and the things that I really believed that someone could cause me this much pain. That's giving someone so much more credit, right? When I kind of was allowing myself to have this middle path, so to speak, like, yeah, he did some messed up things, right? And at the same time, I didn't speak up for myself or I then got angry and I yelled at him. And so we just got in these huge fights over and over again. So I did play a part in that too. That's owning my story and that's allowing me to then change how I want it to be later on. And the reason I bring this up is because Saturn, when I had my Saturn return, when all, a lot of changes were happening, it wasn't like big shifts in my life. You know, the, I didn't like, I mean, I guess I moved, I chose that, but it was like these shifts happened and I gained more clarity with, about myself every time they happen. So now when something totally out of the blue will happen, rather than going completely into fight or flight, I'm more like, oh yeah, I got through something before that was so horrendous, or I thought was so horrendous. And look at how I turned out. I can get through this. Mm. It's, it's really radically accepting that you will get through the change. Mm. And it turns out better than my mind usually can predict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So bringing this all together, I want to hear from you some of your top self-care practices for for real people for busy people how can we begin to implement more mindfulness more self-care and and any simple practices you have for people that well those who listen to the show have a lot of tools and practices so anything you can offer that's slightly different maybe a little bit more radical for that period of lostness and what you can do in the period of lostness where you can be with that but also allow yourself some space and some growth and allow yourself the opportunity to get to know what you may want what you may want to create more in your life in that in that period of confusion oh that's there's so many things that I want to say so let's see if I I'm going to give you a few and then Tell me if you want more of this and I'll move to a different topic if not, because there's a lot, a lot here. It, it, it's really interesting because that feeling of lost, um, that feeling of I should be on a different path possibly, or this isn't serving me right now. All this is information. And what a lot of us try and do, myself included, and I have a lot of tips, right? I don't always practice what I preach, but when I don't, then I get, I really am aware of that I'm not, right? It's the awareness mm -hmm. of this doesn't feel right right now. This feeling keeps coming back up, this anger, this guilt, this confusion. And I don't really like the way that this feels. Why does it keep coming up? Asking yourself that question. And instead of why, I would say, what am I doing or what am I missing here that is allowing this feeling to come back up because oftentimes when we're stuck in that rational thought in those, you know, stuck in our brain, like this shouldn't be happening. I did X, Y, or Z and yet I'm still feeling this way. Um, that's my, that's my rational brain voice. Mm -hmm. So, um, when, when that comes up, I tend to say I messed up. 
oh my gosh, I did something wrong. When in reality, maybe I was missing something. I didn't mess up. My intention was to, to try and figure this out, but we have to sit with the emotion for a little while and say, what's up? Why does this keep happening? And usually when we do that, and I journal a lot about it because I find not on my phone, like hands to paper, phone away somewhere else. And I, I free write. And the reason I do this is it'll help me come up with not just solutions, but reasons that are really kind of deeply rooted in my subconscious, I think. And for a lot of us, that's what writing can do that, that can answer some of those questions. Oh my gosh, I see that if I keep hanging out with this person and she continues to kind of treat me badly, I'm allowing it. Shoot. What can I do differently? Maybe I need a slow fade away from her. Maybe I need to do this. And that brings me to another piece, which is I learned this hardcore actually in my late mid, mid to late twenties, which was the people you surround yourself with will either help your energy or they'll deplete it, right? They either, if they mistreat you, or if you feel like it's not an even exchange, that might be a friendship that you don't need to just like shut the door on, but just maybe be very mindful about how much time and physical energy you are with, you know, spending with that person. Otherwise, I mean, it's just like an energy vampire and they probably don't know it. You know what I mean? Especially if they're not capable of understanding some of this work that we're talking about, you can't educate them on that if they don't want to hear it. It's more about you setting those firmer boundaries with yourself Otherwise, no one else is going to respect them. I mean, we train people how to treat us. And that's something that I, I, I can't say enough times. And by just even showing up for these people um, who maybe are not capable of giving us the love and compassion that we deserve, um, by showing up even more, which is something that I tend to do, I'm like, oh, they're pushing away. I'm going to just come in, you know, 20% more. I'm going to go ahead and try and save them, you know, whatever. I expend so much energy and that wasn't serving me. And that's self-care 101 is where's my energy going to this negative thought, to this person who's maybe not serving me right now, um, to these expectations that I have when I'm feeling lost, where can I be actually putting it back into me? And that's why I started saying, you know, meditation and breath work five minutes. That's, I mean, for a lot of us, that's an insane amount of time to be doing it. But, oh my gosh. That's showing up for yourself for five minutes, eating the foods that nourish you versus the foods that, you know, you say are, um, quote unquote, bad foods. Nothing's bad. You know what I mean? If you, if you feel sick afterwards, it's not serving you. If you feel like you overate, it's not serving you. But if you feel satisfied, you have energy from it, eat those foods, right? It's about uh, observing and being aware of what is your body's asking you to do and things that it's saying, mm, nah, this is not working for me right now. And when we slow down and really start to, to observe that, like I actually would write a journal too about, or kind of like a timekeeper sort of thing. Um, the experiences I had, how I felt before energetically, like, was I kind of lethargic? Did this improve my mood on a scale of like one to five or did it deplete it? And I did that for like a week. And I noticed that the things I rationally thought were depleting me some of them really were, and that was validated. I can actually change it now. Some of them weren't though. Like, oh, if I sit and I listen to a meditation, that's gonna make me super tired. No, I would actually feel a little bit more motivated. <laughs> if I was hanging out with this one particular person and I felt better afterwards, it made me want to hang out with them a little bit more because wow, I was jazzed, I was energized after being in their presence. So it's honoring what your body's really trying to tell you so you can access the flow, so you can access your intuition and you can go with the flow even in situations that feel out of your control. Yeah, this process, I'm so glad you said this. Like I, the food thing is super important and meditation's important. Th to me though, this this aspect of questioning is is the number one method of 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 real self-care daily practice mm -hmm. is like questioning 
um, where is my energy going to? Where is my attention going to? Like, I keep ending up here because a, a lot of times, like something that I've I've currently been working on is finding areas of my life where I say, why do I keep ending up here? And then realizing yeah. that I am putting myself in the position over and over and over and over again. And instead of having like, that's fine if I choose to do that. It's fine if anyone chooses to do that. You are the queen and king of your own life. You can do whatever you want. The problem occurs is when you do that and then you become the victim to it. And well, this is and what then I'm currently learning is when, when you say, why do I keep ending up here instead of I'm ending up here and I am choosing the story and that's okay. Or I'm ending up here. I've been choosing the story and I no longer want to choose this story. And it's so empowering for you to be able to then choose a different story. A hundred percent. Because when we, even what we were saying earlier about like, you didn't choose this behavior or this thought, it's deeply embedded somewhere in our minds, right? Because of our experiences from our DNA or genetics. And it just so happens it's become conditioned, right? So if I go and I uh, start stalking my ex, I'm using that word loosely on social media, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I, you know, this happened to me years ago, but like, I didn't realize I was doing it until like 30 minutes in or 20 minutes in, right? Because it was almost my, my brain was triggering. I need this. I need this. Mm -hmm. And once I realized, oh my God, I feel like crap afterwards. And, oh wow. I realized that I keep doing this. I'm not getting a good result. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's that, that, that's like that pause, that beat of I'm accepting that I'm doing this and I want to feel differently. What can I do to feel a little bit differently? Or how can I maybe change the outcome of this for myself? I mean, it's not, it wasn't magical thinking to go on there. It was just causing me more pain. And at the time, you know what? I didn't know how to do things differently. I don't think, I think I needed to feel that pain for a little bit longer, perhaps. Um, because if I, if I really knew from my, in my heart, you know, if I knew that that was going to help me stop, I wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it was just, you know, you're in pain and these things happen, but it's also about what we keep repeating because someone told us or because it's something we developed, right? For example, someone who smokes cigarettes after they get out of work, right? I won't tell them to completely quit. I will, I mean, ideally that would be the goal, right? Especially if that's their goal in, in working with coaching is getting rid of some of these behaviors that are toxic to their bodies. Well, I'll say, what would it be like for you to cut one in half or smoke less of one? We want to make our, our thoughts more desirable for our who we are right now, you know, just going cold Turkey, probably they'd go smoke like you know, a lot of cigarettes. I know it's a weird thing I'm talking about, but they would do, they would do it even more. And the same goes for our thoughts. If we say, I'm not allowed to have this thought anymore. Oh my goodness. It's exactly. going to come a thousand more times. <laughs> but if we say it's, it's, you know what, it's serving me right now, kind of to have this thought, whether it be anger, whether it be pain, whether it be something that's kind of uncomfortable and I want to feel differently those that can be that can be a dialectic in and of itself but it actually honors both sides of, of who you are right like you're not choosing this because you woke up this morning and you're like yeah today i want to feel really shitty sorry but you know yeah, that's fine. what it sounds like <laughs> right and yeah. you're choosing it because it's almost it's a it's a biological response mm -hmm. to stress or to pain it's not your it's not your fault and that's what i think people need to understand about emotions they're here to help you not hurt you and when we tune into them and ask what's up what could I be doing differently? Or why does this keep coming up for me? Oh my gosh, that is like the biggest breath you could take because you're allowing your brain and your body to start healing and thinking of new and maybe more effective ways to cope with whatever's challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That last piece you just said, I think one of the most beneficial mindset shifts people can 
can create for themselves is moving from thinking that whenever you're responsible for something, you're also at fault for something, which is not true. You not can at all. be exactly. You can be responsible, but not at fault and not to blame. And sometimes I've, I've noticed people will throw the baby out with the bathwater thinking, mm-hmm. well, I'm, yeah. I'm not at fault, so I can't be responsible. And then that's when you stay in this completely victim-focused mentality mode um, and, and not take any responsibility for this. But when you can say this was not my fault this did happen to me like that's totally fine if you're gonna admit this happened to me and now I can take responsibility for what is next that is such deliciously empowering place because you're not putting yourself down saying like I deserve this what was me it's like all those stories are being broken up and dissolved you're holding on to your truth, the truth, which is you are not responsible for, I mean, you are not at fault for this, but you are also responsible for now what, which is very, it's just so empowering. And for some people they say, well, and they can stay there and they'll say, well, but this person did this to me. And, and that's the story we've been telling ourselves because that's what we were taught growing up. Most, not from our parents, our parents probably had a lot of great intentions, but you know, just, Through life, we've been taught that if we blame, it'll help us feel better. Blame just leads to guilt and shame. And then we start to have this cycle of anxiety all over again because most of us don't want to blame, you know, that's not natural necessarily to blame somebody for our feelings. It feels natural, but it's actually not biologically, right? Our bodies actually want to be constantly um, re- organizing and and being stronger in a lot of ways. So when we kind of focus all of our attention onto the person that caused or the situation or whatever we did in the past that caused the current situation to occur, we're just stagnant, you know, talking about flow, that's, that's not even happening. We're fixated on something that we actually don't have any control of because it's over. It's, it's happened. And right now we can take another approach, which is why I'm like, you know, you can try still having those same thoughts because they're not going to go away right away. But if we integrate, and this is another self-care thing, I started to integrate more positive self-talk um, mm. on purpose. Like I would put post-it notes of affirmations that like a couple of them that I could actually believe. Cause at first I was like, what is this? No way. Uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. But truthfully, the more that I saw it and the more that I would say it to myself, I would catch myself in one of these, you know, blaming or these um, negative feedback loops, so to speak, where I just kept going mm-hmm. and going. And I'd be like, wait a second. I am, I'm okay right now. You know, I do like myself. I am showing up from, and then when you flip that script, because you're allowing yourself to not be forced into either side, no, everyone's brain wants to feel better. No one wants to be going down that drain. So when you do it kind of subtly and you add in more positive self-talk and you try and do some reframing, your brain loves that Mm -hmm. just like it loves soothing things. Like, you know, people are like, well, self-care isn't just like chocolate and and warm baths. No, it's not. But when you do take a warm bath or if you do give yourself permission to eat what your body is telling you it needs, which sometimes is chocolate, that is self-care. Self-care isn't like, you know, forcing yourself to get a massage if you've felt if you, if you don't want to be touched, that's not self-care. That's, that's horrible, right? It's mm-hmm. just really, truly listening to kind of, and it, it's okay if you can't listen to it, but usually when we tune in and we take a, take a minute, we can tune into maybe what we need in the moment. And that is the most validating thing for your body and then your brain too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tuning in on the moment to moment basis. I love it. So, and you know, be, and people, uh, 
I think a lot of people think, oh my gosh, but if I don't have a meditation practice, listen, there are some days where I will do like three minutes of deep breathing when I'm in the car because I'm recognizing that, oh, I forgot something today. And, and that's okay because it doesn't have to be perfect. And a lot of times people will look at others and I do the same thing or people will look at me like, oh, but you look like you have it together. Oh my gosh. I think my laundry has been in the dryer for like three days. I just haven't <laughs> remembered to go get it. Um, I definitely walked into my apartment earlier and my dog had gone to the bathroom on the ground. So that's working out. Um, you know, it's like these things happen and then guess what? It's just part of life. No one's perfect at anything. And being able to honor the imperfection is so awesome and it creates a ripple effect because other people can then own their stories too. When we talk about it or when we say, Hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. I, I, I messed up on this or I messed up. I wasn't aware of this day. I forgot it because I was focused more on X, Y, or Z. You're giving people freedom too to change their stories. It's a ripple effect. Yeah, it's a domino effect. God, I love it so much. So I think that's such a beautiful place to to end this interview. But I do have a, a divine deep dive round for you if you are up for it. Anytime, yes. Bring Bef- it on. Before we head there, where can people connect with you online? Uh theguidancegirl.com is my website. And then on social media, it's at guidancegirlem for Emily. But all my friends call me M. And so if you follow me, you're my friend. I do a lot of stuff on. Um, I answer all the questions people ask me. I really love doing a lot of like quick tips and, you know, instant guidance. And we talk a lot, a little bit about mental health, but I call it more mental wellness because everybody is trying to get or emotional wellness, either one, because we're trying to actually feel better. It's, you know, like, let's talk about wellness over illness if possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. It's that. a reframe. It's cute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Beautiful. And I will have all those links on the show notes for this episode. Okay. These are basically quick fire round questions. So whatever comes up for you first, what is one must read book? Oh, um, a return to love. By Marianne Williamson. I put it off for way too long. And once I read it, I like listened to it on an audiobook and read it and about 15 times. So that's my that's my one of my favorites. If you could be any person dead or alive for a full day, who would you be and what would you do first? Oprah and I would mm-hmm. like play with her dogs or my dogs at that point in time. I would record a podcast with whoever I wanted to because my Rolodex would be so great. And I would learn from them. That's the one thing I love about her stuff is she has her own sense of self and she's always trying to improve. And I think it's just another opportunity for us to remember that even Oprah is trying to work on herself Mm -hmm. still. What's your favorite meal right now? Avocado toast with salmon, gluten-free. So good. Um, If love tasted like a flavor, what would it be and why? Oh, uh, I would say like honey, like honey be- mm. and tea. Okay. Like honey and tea, the uh, chamomile tea with honey. There we go. Um, I don't know if that's a flavor, but it kind of reminds mm. me of this sweet and it's slow. It's not necessarily something, and it, it, it's so rich, right? Mm. But you can't pour all the honey out of the, the bottle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you can't, t- you can't have a huge bite of it right away because it's overwhelming. So mm. it's like the more that you hang out with it and, and it's very, and it's healing. It's, it's so healing. That's why we use mm. it when we have, yeah. So I think, honey, let's use that one. If you could be an inanimate object, what would you be? Uh, inanimate object. So I would be, 
oh, I would like to be a wall in like a really awesome room just so I could observe everything that's going on around me. That's good. Like an like awesome that. room, like a, like a, a common area for, for people to just sit and chat in, yeah. in maybe an office or like, um, you know, a college or something. What is your biggest guilty pleasure right now? It's a Netflix show. It's called Frankie and Grace and Frankie. Oh, I love that show. Oh my God. I have been mindfully watching it. Mindfully. So I, I don't like to binge. Yes. I don't like to binge on these shows because then I get sad when they're over. Yeah. So I'm trying to like slowly, slowly, um, abs- enjoy it. And the reason I know I enjoy it so much is because I, my phone is in the other room and I don't even recognize. Hmm. And I think that's when, when you're really mindfully enjoying something, you're not, you know, on Instagram or checking other things mm-hmm. out. You're kind of really in the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question. If you had a talk show, what would you call it? Let's just chat. Let's just chat. I like it. Beautiful. Okay. You, you passed a plus. I passed. Awesome. Amazing. I'm excited. Emily, thank you so much. This was amazing. I'm so grateful for you coming on and I realized I just cut you off. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, no problem. There's no video on, so I can't see when someone's still talking, but thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing your wisdom with my, uh, my mind, body, musing stribe. Thank you for having me. I would say that this was an interaction that I definitely got more energy from. So (laughs) thank you for that. Good. That makes me so happy. Everyone, this is episode 216 of the podcast. So if you want to get the show notes for it, you want to click on the links that she mentioned, go to maddiemoon.com slash emily-roberts and you will get all that info there. We will see you guys very soon for another amazing episode of the show. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.